Hello, everybody. It is Friday, the 19th of November. That means it's the day for me to tell you what's on my mind. It feels like it's always a big and emotional week at the moment. And yeah, this week's no different. Today uh, in Victoria, where I am, we are at 90% double vaxxed rules, not quite at the official 90% mark, but the rules have eased. And that basically means that almost all restrictions have gone if you're vaccinated. So it's pretty big. Uh, It means that there are no density or capacity limits in any hospo venues. Uh, It means people can stand up to drink. They can even dance. And this weekend, I'm definitely planning to stand up. I don't know where. (laughs) I'm going to stand up somewhere and drink a beer just because I can. Uh, There are still a few rules that remain. Uh, Front of house staff still need to wear masks and uh, everybody 12 years and two months plus must be vaccinated. So it'll be interesting as people try to tell the difference between people who are 12 years and one month old and people who are 12 years and three months old, but I'm sure it'll be fine. Of course, the fact that capacity limits increase immediately will turn people's minds to the issue of staffing. Of course, it's great to be able to cram people into your venue, but if you can't look after them because you don't have the staff, then, yeah, it makes it a very tricky equation. Uh, I've just... I've had two stories about staffing that um, have been around this week. One has just come out in a new hospitality industry mag called A+, which is edited by the lovely and talented and super smart Besha Rodell, and I'm honoured to be one of the contributors to that, along with Mark Best, Fred Siggins, and other good people. Uh, This is an industry-focused online mag um, funded by Asahi and, but yeah, completely independent. And I did a really big dig into the issues around the labour shortage in hospitality for that. And I've also got a piece that's going to be in Good Food on Tuesday around staffing and just, again, looking into what some of the solutions might be. It's a really... It's it's obviously it's such a big issue and it's so threaded through all different aspects of society from the way that people think about hospitality in general, how much value they put on it, whether it's seen as a viable and long-term career path. Um, and also a lot around pay and conditions. And it's been really... I don't know if interesting is the word, but, you know, over and again, you know, when you start talking to the people that actually work in HOSPO, and I think so many of the articles and, you know, news articles around this often don't speak to the actual workers, you just do tend to still hear stories of people not being that well looked after, not that well treated by management, but also by customers. And I am hearing a lot of stories from people about, just customers that simply aren't reasonable or empathetic or understanding. And, yeah, that makes me sad. But it also drives people away from the industry. Um, Visa holders is something that I'm always banging on about and, you know, I think that's that's good as that's as it should be. Um, And anyone in OSPO knows how important visa holders are to the industry. So many people are crying out for internationals to return as the borders open. But I just wanted to... um, yeah, read out a couple of quotes from 
a international student from Spain called Ixazo Sanchez that I've been in touch with for the past couple of years. She's studying business. She's been here for three years. She came to study English. She's moved on to business and she's pretty much tra- been trapped here by the pandemic. One of the things that's big on her mind and, and the minds of so many other visa holders, in fact, every temporary visa holder that I've, that I've spoken to is the fact that they can't leave and then come back. So as the international borders reopen, Australians and permanent residents can leave and return, go overseas to see family, hug those babies they haven't met yet and all that stuff. But if you're on a temporary visa, you've got no right to re-enter the country. And that is a really crippling and sad scenario for a lot of people who've really toughed it out during the pandemic. So this is what Ixazo said to me. We're not able to come back to Spain or our countries. They probably have fear that we'll abandon HOSPO. What is the difference? Are we a different class of humans? Where I live, I'm seeing people come from Sydney to see their family, but I'm going around thinking, what about us? I can't go home to see my mum. I just need a break. And I've heard stories like this from so many people. Uh, It just, it's just so awful. I just, yeah, the rules need to change. Everybody who's living here needs to be able to leave and then return if the borders are open. Okay, let's talk about some good things, some of the fantastic things that I've eaten over the last week. And I'll start with last Sunday at the Carlton Wine Room. The whole occasion, the whole afternoon was fantastic. So it started with a panel that I was on with Gabrielle Gattay, uh, author of 24 cookbooks and a French-Australian chef of great renown, and Alice Saslavsky, uh, one of my favourite people in food and in general and the author of The Extraordinary In Praise of Veg. Put it on your Christmas list, everybody. Uh, we were a panel of three before a screening of Julia, a new, um, bi- new documentary about Julia Child, the American author. Um, who wrote extensively about French food and was uh, really um, became famous because she was on US TV and I guess trained a generation of people to love food again after becoming enthralled by convenience, deep freezers, microwave food, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, it was really exciting to be in a room with people in a cinema uh, at an event. Uh, it was extraordinarily exciting, almost overwhelming. And then to go with uh, Gabrielle and Alice uh, just around the corner to Carlton Wine Room was also really wonderful and just to um, eat just delicious snacks and um, and larger plates was great. So maybe I'll just tell you about a couple of the things that we ate. I'm looking at my photos, what to talk about. Um Let's maybe I'll talk about the flounder because Julia Child would have been so proud of us for ordering that. Uh, a fillet of sole was the dish that turned her on to French cuisine, so sole with sole drowning in butter. So we had flounder um, that was beautifully grilled and served with a buttery sauce and um, Gabrielle uh, filleted it for us at the table and it was just super delicious. Um so yeah, that was that was really good. But also this week, um, I've eaten at All Things Equal, which is a little cafe in Balaclava, which employs people with disabilities. And yeah, 
it's an all abilities cafe and it's just really fantastic to be able to support an enterprise that um, I guess sees potential where other people might only see stumbling blocks. It was it was really great. And shout out to uh, James Anthony Concilio, who has been on this podcast some months ago when he was um, cooking up on a yacht in Queensland. He's back in Vic and, um, yeah, running the kitchen there. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really great thing. I had some delicious buckwheat and nettle crepes. Um, yeah, really simple but super fluffy and delicious. Uh, also this week I've eaten a really gorgeous Wagyu steak from Blackmore. And if you haven't caught up with my producer's chat with uh, Ben Blackmore, please do. Uh, as um, Chris Young, the uh, the guy who was looking after me at Meatsmith in St Kilda told me, apparently a lot of the families who have kids finishing year 12, instead of going out to a restaurant for a big spendy meal, they are buying Wagyu and grilling it at home for the kids. So I thought I could get on that train. Um, and yeah, it was, it was just absolutely delicious. I think you could, you could taste the, you could just taste the care in, um, you could taste the care and consideration and integrity in the steak. It was really, really good. I would also like to acknowledge the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival and say a big thank you and uh, oops, I'm a bit humbled because uh, I've been one of the class of 2021 um, welcomed into the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival Legends Hall of Fame for my work as a food communicator. Uh you know, I've really, I've grown up looking at this list of legends, which grows by five or six every year. And just, these are the people that I've admired and written about and just really uh, looked up to. And so to be numbered among them is an extraordinary privilege, um, which I'm really grateful for. It's a, it's a really great class that I'm part of. Uh, so the other legends legends. Oh, I can't believe it. Um, are Otto Del Zotto for introducing us all to Prosecco. And um, I've certainly appreciated that introduction. Sharon Flynn from the Fermentary, who has done so much to, uh, yeah, get good that good bacteria bubbling in our lives. John Reed. Oh my goodness. Dear departed John Reed. We've featured him on the podcast. And as he spoke then, you know, he was dying with a brain tumor and he has since passed away. I'm so uh, I'm, you know, it's so, it's so sad that he's gone and I'm really glad that he's been acknowledged in, in this way. Karen Martini has been, uh, added to the legends list, uh, for all her work in, yeah, food, hospitality, uh, and the food industry generally. And the sustainability champion is Yost Bakker, uh, you know, acknowledged for his long, list of achievements in sustainability and just always keeping the fire burning, but it's particularly for his work at Future Food System, which is still there in Federation Square, and they've opened it now to more tours. So anyone who hasn't had a look at Future Food System and is able to get to Melbourne or is in Melbourne, please go and have a look at it. It will it will change your life and it needs to change our world. Um, track back on the podcast and listen to my chat with Joe Barrett if you want to hear more about that project. Um, Matt Stone and Joe Barrett are moving on. Joe is, is, is still at the house quite a bit for now. Matt's moved um, up north, but um, yeah, both in, all, all three of them are integral to that project. And uh, 
Melbourne Food and Wine also puts out a Trailblazer Award each year for uh, someone who's burst onto the scene and is doing amazing things. And that person this year is Jungun Che from Che, the micro restaurant, which was in Brunswick, and she's now setting up in Fern Tree Gully, just doing amazing things with Korean cuisine, particularly around fermenting as well. Uh, so... What a good bunch. Unfortunately, we weren't able to have a party this year, but I reckon we'll have to sneak in some kind of in-person celebration as things ease. So, yeah, um, thank you so much to Anthea Lucas-Bosher and Pat Nurse and Jill Duplay, who are all involved in that Legends panel. I'm really grateful. Um, I suppose when you're called a legend, it makes you wonder, hmm, is my best stuff behind me? Am I am I old now? Is this my signal to retire? But I have to say it just makes me feel energised and it makes me think, well, if this gives me a little bit more of a platform, then what can I do with it? And it just makes me want to <laughs> agitate and provoke and be more brave. So, yeah, let's see what happens. Uh, so, yeah, that's what's on my mind this Friday. I wish everybody a fantastic weekend. Stand up to drink just because you can. Maybe uh, bust a little move because you're allowed to dance inside as well. Uh, congratulations to everybody that is out there safely enjoying. Remember to check in. It's still very important. And I will catch you next week. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.